in week seven of our series, Receiving What's Yours. We've been in the book of Joshua. Uh, and, you know, last week, man, uh, we had a great message, uh, and it was on the Battle of Jericho, right? And, I mean, man, for those of us, if you've been around church or, you know, been in Sunday school over the years, I mean, you heard Jacques' message, and, you know, it, it's, a great, it's a great story, right? And so... Uh, we heard that account about the conquest of Jericho and that they defeated the city. And this was interesting to me. They defeated the city by following this highly specific yet pretty unusual set of battle instructions, right? You know, uh, I mean, I don't think there's many military commanders that go to war college and get told, hey, listen, the way you're going to go into battle is you're going to put the army band in front and, 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 and lead in, right? And yet that's exactly what happened. Uh, God said, you know, you put the, put the trumpets and, you know, the art, you know it's going to go in front. And I don't think many field commanders get trained to do that. And I think, frankly, if they did, there aren't many guys who would sign up to be in the Army band, you know, because they'd say, that's not where I want to be, you know. But, but it struck me that last week as, as we were hearing that, that sometimes, you know, when we read God's Word, right, there are sometimes that God's Word, is, is kind of directional in nature, okay? Like, you know, we would certainly agree that God's word would support the concept that we should help others in need. Agreed? Yeah. It's time to nod. Yeah, okay. Okay, yes, we should, we should help others in need. But, but you can't go find this one scripture, that, you know, reference that just lists out the 10 things we're all supposed to do to someone in need. Okay, but yeah, we know, but it's there. Okay, so there are times it's rather directional, but there are other times when God's direction is highly specific. It's very clear, just like it was last week, right? I mean, God told Joshua, he gave him the battle plans to defeat Jericho. He said, you get the army out, you, you march everybody around the city one time for six days. Now, that doesn't sound very logical to me, right? But you march around the city once for six days, and on the seventh day, you march around the thing seven times, and you don't make a sound, okay? And at the seventh time, when you hear the trumpet blast, everybody give out a shout, and the walls will come down. And by the way, when the walls come down, go in and do not take anything out of the city. Now, that's pretty specific, isn't it? And they did it. They followed the battle plan, and the walls came down. And, I mean, that's pretty cool. An unconventional set of battle instructions, and yet... A really neat outcome. So now we want to move in today. So the, the battle's been won. They've, they've conquered Jericho. Let's move into today's portion of Scripture. And let's see what happens next. Okay, so we're going to be in Joshua chapter 7. We're going to look at the first nine verses. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. You can follow the verses that will be up on, this, on, the, on the wall, or you can look on version. Okay, so we're going to look at Joshua 7, verses 1 to 9. So they did exactly what God said in terms of the battle plan, except for one thing. It says, but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Remember, God had told them, don't take a thing. It all belongs to me. But it says they were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is next to beth to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. Don't worry the whole army, for only a few people live there. 
So about 3,000 went up. But they were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and they will wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Joshua, Jericho had been a major victory. Been a major victory. Joshua had become a hero out of that. It told us last week. Israelites, next stop, Ai, small fortified city just a few miles from Jericho. You know, when you think about it, after the victory at Jericho, the Israelites were feeling blessed, right? They were feeling blessed. They were, I mean, everybody was thrilled, right? I mean, they, they had not only finally entered the promised land after 40 years, right? I mean, they'd walked through the Jordan on dry ground. They had seen that. God had given them the battle plans. They had entered it. They had finally entered the promised land, and they'd actually started the conquest of it with the attack on Jericho. And they'd had a massive victory. And everything had happened just like God had said it would. I mean, think about it. For them, after 40 years in the desert and all these things, you'd kind of go, life is finally working out. Right? Things are actually finally getting good. This is what I've been waiting for. I've been, I've been waiting for this better time in my life. And, okay, I want to ask you a question. Isn't that really what we all want to? Don't we really want kind of things to work out and you know we, we like to feel like you know there's sort of that there's sort of like that spot you feel every now and then it usually lasts for about 10 seconds till a phone call or something but you feel like there's this period this time when everything is lining up everything's working out work's going well things are pretty good at home you know kids aren't you know the dogs have been good you know every you know all the kind of things of life that we have to line up and keep moving is all kind of working out and, and you kind of feel like life is good. We want our lives to be lived kind of squarely in that zone, right, where, where, we, where we sense God's blessing. I, I, got, I got a friend who, who says, I want to be standing under the spout where God's blessings pour out, right? And that's where we want to be, man. We want to be positioned right, you know, right there all the time. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't, right? I mean, that's, that's good, right? It's a wonderful place to be. So, so today, as we look at this passage and we, we move on through it, I want us to look at it from the standpoint of, of not just what went wrong at AI, because obviously something went terribly wrong at AI, okay? But I want us to look at it from the standpoint of we want to live a blessed life. We want to live, we want to remain blessable. And so what is it? that we need to do? What is it that on our part, what went wrong here, and what do we need to do on our part to remain? I don't know if it's really a word or not. I didn't look it up, but blessable. Okay, you know what I mean, right? It's a, I've turned it into a verb, okay? You know, we want to be able to live blessed, but be able to remain there so we can continually experience God's blessing and be in that zone, okay? 
And so what I'd like to offer to you is that the first thing we need to do to, to live, to enjoy blessed living, is we need to learn to listen to God's direction. Okay? We need to learn to listen to God's direction. You know, verse 3 that we just read tells us that Joshua sent spies to check out Ai. And they basically looked at it, came back, told Joshua, no big deal. Right? It's not going to be a big deal at all. Uh, it's just, let's, in fact, let's don't even trouble the whole army. Let's just send two or 3,000 of us. That's all it's going to take, uh, and we'll be able to handle it. Now, I don't know. You know, they used the whole army for Jericho, right? They used, in fact, all the people went out and marched around, okay? And who knows? Maybe after this first initial victory and it being such a huge success, maybe people got a little overconfident. Maybe, maybe all of the people and some of the spies in the army started to feel like, you know what? We're pretty good. We're pretty good. Look at what happened to the walls. Down, in, everything's good. And isn't that, I mean, isn't it interesting in our own lives? Have you ever thought about it? A lot of times, some of our biggest defeats come right after some of our biggest victories. Now, I don't know if it's just because the enemy doesn't want you to get to enjoy that high very long, or is it because we sort of get overconfident sometimes and start to think, you know what? I have a lot to do with that. Instead of remembering it was all God. It was all God. Look, all we know for sure is this, is that prior to attacking Jericho, Joshua had received detailed battle plans from God. He'd received detailed battle plans. We talked about that exactly, how to go into battle. And yet in this instance, in verse 2, it tells us that Joshua sent spies. In verse 3, it tells us that the spies came back with a very favorable report and a plan that only called for two or 3,000 soldiers. And in verse 4, it tells us that Joshua apparently just went along with their plan. And that was it. We don't see any evidence in the scripture we just read that Joshua went before God to ask him what he thought. There is absolutely no evidence in scripture that he went before the Lord like he did before the Jericho battle and asked God about timing. I mean, remember, God said very specifically, one time a day for six days, seventh day, you know, I mean, boom, boom, boom. He gave him timing. God had given him troop strength. He had told him everybody. God had told him how to do it, method of attack, and there's absolutely zero evidence that in this case at Ai, Joshua went before God and asked him anything about that. He just listened to to the spies and just went along with it. I mean, Joshua had up to, the different people had, and, and scholars said he had like a, up to a half a million strong army he could have called on. And without any other, you know, information, why would he think he should treat this battle lightly? Because you think about it, giving the Israelites the promised land was as much a spiritual battle as it was a physical battle. You know, not only that, But if Joshua had sought God before he sent the troops to Ai, pretty likely he would have learned about God's displeasure with the Israelites from what Achan had done. God would have told him. Achan could have dealt with it. I mean, uh, Joshua could have dealt with it and probably avoided any loss of life. But since he didn't do it, things worked out differently. So in order for us to continually enjoy blessed living we got to learn we never want to solely rely on our own abilities or exclusively in the wisdom and counsel of man. Those are good, but we must always continually humble ourselves before God and seek his direction for our lives and, and for those in our care. 
Joshua wasn't just responsible for himself. He was responsible for the whole nation. And so we've got to remember in our own lives that the decisions we make when we only count on, when we don't listen to God and we just rely on ourselves, that we can have an impact not only on our own lives, but it can affect others around us as well. Look, God's plans are the only plans that we ought to have total confidence in. So in addition to continually seeking God's direction, Joshua 7 also teaches us that a blessed life requires us to give God what he's due. To give God what he's due. Let's read on just a little bit. Let's look at Joshua 7, verses 10 through 12. Now remember, they got routed. 36 of them were killed. Joshua basically falls down before God and says, Oh, why did you ever bring us into this land? Why didn't why weren't we just happy over on the other side of the Jordan? Okay. You know, now you think about it. When you pray to God and you want an answer. This is, the answer Joshua got is probably not the answer you want to hear from God. Listen to what God says to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Pretty, pretty tough answer, right? Stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They've lied. They've put them with their own possessions. And that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Wow. Tough response. Tough response. Okay. We first read what basically happened back in the previous passage is Joshua kind of starts to want to blame God for their defeat, doesn't he? Oh, God, why did you ever bring us across just to have us get defeated? You know, look, Joshua's actually a lot like us, right? Joshua's a lot like us. Whenever things kind of go south on us, right, what do we do? First thing is we look for someone else to blame. Because I'd sure much rather, you know, it was your fault than mine, right? I mean, I don't want to be wrong, you know. We look for anybody to blame. We look for anybody to blame. Anybody by ourselves. And if we can't find anybody else to blame, then we'll turn on God. Right? We'll turn on God. And we'll start to want to blame him. I mean, it's amazing. It's, just think about it. The same people who on one day will read Jeremiah 29, 11, and verses right that says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. I mean, people who will read that verse on Monday, on Tuesday, want to blame God. for this. And, and, and I mean, it just, we forget so quickly. Or we just plain choose to ignore that kind of verse, right? And we start accusing God of doing wrong. And we accuse him of being the, the problem behind our health or our finances or our relationships or our jobs or anything that's going wrong. When the reality is the problem's not usually with God, is it? It's with us. You know, it's not God, it's with us. In verse 10, man, we read Joshua got a response, right? And it wasn't gentle. I mean, he says, stand up. What are you doing on the ground? Stand up. Israel has sinned. And then he goes on to give him 
the specifics. He tells him exactly how Israel has sinned and what's gone on. I mean, you know, look, we just got to, you know, this, this part here kind of gets tough, and I understand it, but what we just got to understand is sin separates us from God. I mean, sin, sin is this thing we kind of talk about, but we don't really want to think about. I mean, because what I really want to talk about is your sin. No, you know what I mean? I want to I talk about, you know, I don't want to talk about my sin, right, because that gets a little tight. It gets a little uncomfortable, Right? So we, we need to understand. And, and one of the things that we're going to have to deal with here for a minute, because it's what's in the story today, is one of the areas of sin that separates us from God, in fact, is one of the most contentious and emotionally charged areas of sin in our lives. And it's one that a lot of people can get really, really angry with anyone who raises a question regarding it, because it's the area of money and possessions. Right? We get pretty hot under the collar if we feel like somebody's squeezing us, Right? Because the truth is we love our money and we love our stuff. And we don't want really anybody questioning on us, questioning us regarding it. Verse 11 tells us they've taken some of the devoted things and they've put them with their own possessions. What that means in real simple terms is they've taken stuff that belongs to God. They've taken stuff that belongs to God and they've kept it. And, the, and verse 12 is huge. And as a result, they have been made liable to destruction. There's only one way to read that, and that's liable to destruction, open to destruction. And God makes the penalty really clear. I'm not going to be with you anymore unless you set this right, unless you sort it out, unless you find it and you make this thing right. You know, just in case we we think that this is one of those times, oh, you know what he's doing? He's just picking this one verse about possessions and money, and, and really that's not, what, you know, that's not what the whole counsel of God's word would say is. We don't talk about money very often here. Is that right? You, know, you guys will all admit, one of the few times you've ever heard me talk about money, okay, because we don't talk about it because that's between you and God, but I, but I feel like we have a responsibility when it's here in Scripture we need to deal with it because, because it's not that this church needs your money. It's that God expects you to be faithful to what he's told you to do. And so my, my, my responsibility is to tell you what the counsel of God's word is, and then you will decide. Okay, but just so no one would think, oh, we just picked this one verse and are making a whole theology out of it. Okay, no, you know, because, I mean, sometimes you can do that, right? Okay, you can make one verse and go, oh, you know, let's have a whole religion, whole theology around this. Let's don't, let's just see that there are, Remember I said there's times God's word is directional and it's time it's specific? Okay, we're now in an area where God's word is abundantly specific. You don't have to guess, okay? I'll take you through three verses, three passages. First of all, uh, a book a lot of you never go to, I hardly ever would have, but Haggai, okay? It's a short chapter. Somebody used to call it Haggai, I don't know, it's Haggai. Okay, 1, verses 5 to 11. Listen to this. This is God talking to the people because, because of the way they're living regarding building his house. Okay, it says, Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Now, listen to this. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, you're never filled. You never have enough. You drink, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, you're not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. 
Do you know some people who are constantly broke? Do you know some people who constantly, I mean, they can't get 20 bucks in their pocket without getting a flat tire? No, I mean, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? There, there are times out there that people will say, I can't get ahead. I can't, nothing. I, you can be in a situation of where you have a purse with holes in it. Okay, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. Listen, he wants them to do it for his pleasure and his honor. Sometimes what God is telling us to do has got nothing to do with us being him being like a little ATM machine where we put money in and expect to get money out. Sometimes what God is telling us to do is to, is to do what he tells us to do for his pleasure and honor, period. He's God. He's God. We need to understand we serve God. We don't serve a good manager, a, a, a nice dad. I mean, we, we can confuse it, right? It's kind of like those bumper stickers that say, God's my co-pilot. Well, you're an idiot then. Right? I don't want God for my co-pilot. I want God driving the boat. I want him running. I want him flying the plane. I want to be just hitched on, coming along. I mean, listen, we just need to understand that he's God. He's God. And that we need to do some things just because he says do it. Okay? You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little in verse 9. What you brought home, I blew it away. I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house which remains in a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Let's look at Malachi 3. Malachi 3, verses 9 to 12. Another, another passage, very clear. I'm actually start with verse 8. It says, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse. Remember it says you're all cursed, the Israelites, after Ai? When he said the, you're under a curse. Here, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field won't drop their fruit before it's ripe. For us in our jobs, that's kind of like, you know, your car won't always break down. You won't always be out of money. You, you know, it's, it's, you can put it into today's talk, but it's the same thing, okay? Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And finally, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim with new wine. Look, Okay, we're about done with this tough part, okay, because I don't want you all to get up and leave, all right? But, <laughs> but I got to say, we can like it or not, and we can obey it or not, but we got to admit God's word is really clear on this. God's word is really, really clear about what he expects regarding us in the area of money and possession. So when it comes to living a blessed life and giving what he's due, he gives us a choice. We can either live in obedience and we can enjoy his protection and his provision and his promise of abundance, or we can take the path of Achan. We can take the path of Achan 
and we can decide to keep what belongs to God and by doing so, make ourselves and apparently those around us liable to destruction. And as I read it, there's no third option. You have a choice. So finally, if we want to pursue a path towards blessed living, we've got to admit, after all, we're humans, okay? And we do fall short, and we do drop the ball, and we do mess up, and sometimes we fail to listen to God. I mean, is it all over? No. You know what? What we need to do is when we failed is we need to remember the third thing, which is to live a blessed life, to remain in God's blessing. We need to learn to quickly confess our sin. We need to learn to quickly confess our sin. We need to get there fast, right? So to do that, let's read Joshua 7 and finish, uh, finish the chapter starting in verse 13. So this is what God told him after he told him, I won't be with you anymore until you deal with it. He says, now, go, consecra- go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The Lord, the tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. Then the clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the voted things will be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward, tribe by tribe. Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward, and the Zerahites were chosen. And the clan of the Zerahites came forward family by family, family, and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family uh, come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was chosen. Then Joshua says to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done, and do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, It's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. And he describes it. When I saw the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, and I took them, and they're hidden in the ground underneath, inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers. They ran to the tent. And there was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and they spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and his daughters, his cattle, his donkey and his sheep, his tent and all he had to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned all of them, the rest, they burned them. And over Achan, they put up a large heap of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. And therefore that place has been called the Valley of Achor ever since. Look, we look at this last passage of Scripture, at least for me, two questions come to mind. Okay, one of them is, why didn't God just tell Joshua who it was? I mean, they went through a pretty big process, right? They took like two million people, all the clan, you know, all, right? They took all of Israel, all the tribes, and then they picked the one tribe, okay? I mean, this, this took a while. This was, this was a big job, okay? 
So I mean, that part of me was, why, you know, I mean, why, why didn't God just say Joshua? Okay, and, and saved them a lot of time. I mean, well, okay, kind of interesting comment, right? We have to go back in verse 11. It says that one man sinned, right? It was Achan. He says, but, but God says Israel has sinned. This is where this whole thing about our, look, our lives, you know, this whole thing about, you know, I'm an island. I'm one man. You know, what I do just affects me. Apparently not. Apparently not. Apparently, that's a real cool thing, you know, Marlboro man, kind of, you know, tough dude way to think. Apparently, that's not how God's got it wired. Apparently, God's program's a little different. Apparently, my actions actually affect other people. Apparently, yours do too. Apparently, one guy can decide to sin, but, but everybody gets caught up in it. Remember, those, there were 36 Israelites killed in the attack against Ai who had done nothing wrong. There were 36 people routed who apparently had not stolen silver and gold and a, and a Babylonian robe. But they're the ones that suffered the price for this, for God not going out with the army. Now, I realize in our, in our, in our world of balances and, you know, that doesn't seem fair, does it? But you know what? That's how God's plan works. And we've got to understand that we actually have a responsibility to one another. We have a responsibility. All Israel has sinned. By the way, it's kind of interesting too. Uh, that meant in that process, think about it, all two million people. I mean, God, they go out the night before and say, by the way, get ready tomorrow morning. This is how we're going to solve this problem. Kind of putting it in normal talk, right? This is how we're going to, this, we're going to have the trial tomorrow, but here's how it is. We, have, we don't know who the defendant is. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take all of you, line you up, and God is going to pick it. And he's going to, and instead of just going to the guy, the one in two million, he's going to sort us, he's going to sift us. He's going to start with the tribe, and he's going to move down to the clan and the family. All of Israel had all night long to think to themselves, hmm, do I have any unconfessed sin in my life? Do I have anything I need to deal with and get right before God? Because I might, I might know I didn't take anything from Jericho, but what if God just decided to point me out? Do you understand? I mean, two million people that night, I think, probably spent a lot of time on their knees in prayer getting right before God because no one knew for sure who God would point his finger at. All the people needed to search their hearts for any other hidden sins. Maybe they hadn't taken that, but, you know, those other 1,999,999 weren't sinless, were they? There were areas of their life they needed to get right with God, and this gave an opportunity for that, that they could deal with any sin they might be harboring. Let's remember, in doing it tribe by tribe, even Joshua had to go through the process because he was from the tribe of Judah. So even Joshua, probably that night, had to do a little work with God in prayer, confessing that he had not come to him for battle plans for AI. Look, there are times we have to get right with God. We just need to do that. I also think there's another reason that God didn't just point it out and make it a short, sweet deal. Think about this. The night from, from the time that the battle was fought and they, and they, re, and they had all that time 
and God tells Joshua that Israel has sinned, okay? He says, okay, tomorrow we'll, we'll, sort, we'll settle this, right? Tomorrow we'll sort it out. Achan had all night to decide that he could come forward and confess. I think the reason God didn't just point him out and have it quick is, you know what? We can think all this sounds pretty tough and mean, but here's the thing. We serve a God of grace. The toughness comes when we refuse his grace. Achan had all night. Listen, here's what Achan, you know, this is kind of, you know, on our cop shows when we watch our law, you know, you know Chicago Justice or whatever you watch, you know, you know, all those cop shows and lawyer shows, right? I mean, we all think we're lawyers now, right, because we've watched so many of these things. Okay, but, 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 you know, one of the things that always comes up is, is what did he know and when did he know it? Right? What did he know? And, and so I always like to go back when I'm reading Scripture and think, well, wait a minute. I have, the, I have the benefit of time, right? I'm looking back on the whole story now. So to me, it all sounds like it's all, you know, like we all, but, but wait, what, what did he know and when did he know it? Remember that the night before that God had given direction, go tell the people. So Achan had, was one of the people, okay? God told Joshua, go tell the people tomorrow. This, uh, prepare yourselves for tomorrow. This is what the Lord says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, blah, 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 present yourselves tribe by tribe and all this. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire. And get this, not only whoever's caught, but all that belongs to him. Achan had all night that he could have come forward and, and likely saved himself and for sure saved his family and all his possessions, but Achan didn't do it. Achan not only didn't come forward all night, think about it. If he thought, well, somehow maybe they're just kidding and tomorrow, you know, it'll be a new day and the sun will come up and everything will be bright and God will feel different and, you know, it'll, we'll all just go on. No, even the next morning, the reason they went tribe by tribe and clan by clan and family by family is I think God was delaying the outcome as long as he possibly could to give Achan every chance under the sun to, to change and to come before him and confess his sin and to say, oh God, I'm so sorry, but I've taken things that belong to you. But Achan didn't do it. Listen, we got to understand that when we won't get right before God, I mean, it's not because God's being mean to us what we get in the end. God has given us time after time and waited, just like he did with Achan. He, he's not a God who is, who is cavalier and goes, you know what, he took something, so boom, you're dead. No, he gave him a day to decide to come and, and make this thing right, and he didn't, didn't do it. So the second question that comes to me is, man, the punishment was pretty, pretty severe. I mean, in the end, Achan did confess, right? In, in the end, he did confess. And we, and we saw the end to it. I mean, they all got stoned. They got burned. You know, pile of stones on top. I mean, okay, so why not? Well, actually, I think it's pretty simple. There was never any sign of repentance on Achan's part. He only confessed when he was caught. 
He only confessed when he was actually caught, when it came down and it was nobody out of 2 million people, 900, what, 1,999,999 had been cleared. There's one guy, and even then, he didn't confess until Joshua confronted him and said, so tell me, it's just you, so tell me. And then he finally says, yeah, okay, I did it. Look, his confession was forced, and it was only after he was caught. Only after he was caught. So we got to understand, if we want to remain in a position where we can enjoy God's blessing in our lives, we got to keep short accounts by God by quickly confessing the sin in our lives. You don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till another day. Don't just wish that things would be better. Man, we all mess up, and we know we will from time to time. We'll say things, and we'll do things. We'll go, you know, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done that. I mean, not everything is as bad as stealing bars of gold, right? Except there's just one little problem. In God's economy, sin is just sin. Right? Sin's just sin. Whether it's 50 pounds of gold or just, or just me, not, me, me treating someone the way, not the way God would have me treat it. Whether me, it's, do, do you see what I mean? With, with God, it's just, it's just sin. He doesn't, he, doesn't keep, he doesn't weigh it out and go, well, you know, okay. It's just there was never any sign of repentance. So we need to understand. We need to learn to quickly confess sin. Okay. So let's just kind of wind this thing up, okay? So verses 24 through, uh, through 26, okay, uh, tells us that all Israel took not only Achan but his entire family and all his possessions out to the valley of Achor, right, where they not only stoned them but they burned them. Now, they had that, that, the whole thing about the things that were devoted to God, I mean, when things that were devoted to God, it was a sacrifice, and generally, that's what they did. They, they, were, they were destroyed by fire. It was the whole idea that it was a sacrifice to God. And so because, if you will, because Achan, first of all, you know, we don't know, okay? But, you know, they hid, he hid the stuff in his tent. His entire family lived in the tent. I mean, it may well be that his, some of his family knew about this too. We don't know. But all we know is this, is that Achan's act made the entire nation liable to destruction, okay? If you will, they consumed what God had said is mine. And so in doing so, they, the only way for God to receive the honor was they had to be destroyed by fire, the same way that anything that was devoted to God was to be given. You know, it ends up by saying that they, they piled a, put a large pile of stones over them Interesting, if you remember back uh, a few weeks ago, this, this pile of stones kind of stands in sharp contrast uh, to, the, uh, to the stones that God told the Israelites to take out of the Jordan and to build uh, a monument at, at uh, Gilgal where they would camp the first night, right? So, so just, and remember, that was just a few days earlier. That's not like a year ago. You know, a few, the, the, we, we did that several weeks ago, but, you know, in this story, right, I mean, that was just a few days ago. They had crossed the Jordan. They had camped a night. They had gone a week, you know, in, in the conquest of Jericho, and this is a day, you know. So we're talking about, you know, 10, 12 days maybe since, since Gilgal, and now we're here. And so we have, we have two piles of stones now, right? We have the pile of stones. We have the monument of stones at Gilgal that stand in contrast to this pile of stones one pile is a reminder of God's judgment. The other one is a reminder of God's protection and provision. 
So, you know, as we close, we just really have a question for ourselves. Is, is both of those were monuments, right? Both of those were to serve as reminders. Which one are you going to go visit? You know, which one, which one do you put value in? And, you know, it really leads us to just one very serious question as we come to a close today, and that's, you know, are you withholding anything that belongs to God? That's a, that's a, now, now, I know everybody's immediately thinking, wait a minute, he's talking about money. Could be, could be, okay? But, you know, what, when I say, are you withholding anything that belongs to God, Scripture tells us what some of those things are. We just read several verses, right? But, you know, there are sometimes God gives each one of us some individual direction. There are times that God will tell you to do something that he hadn't told me. The question is, have you done that thing? God may tell you to stop doing something that may be okay for someone else, but God just doesn't want you doing it. Have you stopped doing that? Listen, the things that we need to give to God are what God has either told all of us to do in his word or has spoken to each of us individually to do. Are you being obedient to what God has put before you to do? Because it would appear, remember, sin is sin, and it would appear that when we decide to keep things for ourselves that belong to God, we can make those around us. I'm sure Achan loved his family. I mean, I would guess he did. But we can make those around us, and that can include our families, liable to destruction. And I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for you. And so I know this is a tough message today, but it's a message to try and lead us. Look, we want to live a blessed life. We want to remain in God's blessing. And so I just want to encourage us that we do that by, by seeking his direction, hearing his direction, okay, by giving him what he's due, and by quickly confessing our sin. That's what we're called to do. Here's the good news. 1 John 1.9. This is the great news of all of it, right? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. And he will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. I am so thankful that I serve a God who will give me time He tried to give Achan extra time. He drug it out as long as he could. God tries to give us time to come around and to live out 1 John 1, 9. If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us. I mean, think about it. He cleanses us. He makes us better. He just doesn't leave us dirty and messed up, he'll cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So today, would you stand as we close? Just, just join me in prayer, okay? Look, I just everybody, today's not a day I'm going to have you raise your hands or do anything like that, okay? But I want you to take a moment just to yourself, privately. It's a moment between you and God. 
And I want you to ask yourself, God, and I want you to ask God, Lord, have I withheld anything that belongs to you, that you've claimed? Have I withheld anything that belongs to you? And just hear his voice. Just take a moment and do that now. Lord, today we just come before you. And God, we don't want to put ourselves or our families, those we love. In fact, even the entire nation here, those 36 soldiers that died, Lord, they weren't even part of uh, Aiken's family. They, they were just kind of innocent bystanders who got caught up. Lord, we don't want to be responsible for other people's harm, Lord. We want to be living lives, Father, that bring blessing and not your curses. Lord, we want to live our lives blessed each day. And so, Father, I pray that you give each of us ears to hear your direction. I pray, Lord, that we would be obedient to give you what you're due. And, God, that we would be confident in your provision each day of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would give us, Lord, a heart that would be willing to quickly confess and keep our lives, Lord, in alignment with your plan. So, Lord, today I just ask you to speak to each of us, Father, because our desire, Lord, our desire is to live blessed lives as we serve you daily. We just ask your continued blessing and protection on us, Father, as we walk with you and go from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.